I think that's a rule that should be acknowledged that um, that we were told as kids. And I, I don't want to speak. I, I'm presuming you heard it as kids. You stay out of grown folks business. Business. Yeah. That's a rule that you don't hear too much now. You know, these mm-hmm. kids being grown folks business, doing grown folks stuff, and they need to stay out of grown folks business. And I think that's what saves some of us. And I, I think that's probably why you said that to your children, I presume. Because that's how we were raised. There's just certain things you just stayed out of grown folks' business, whether you liked it or not, whether you agree with mm-hmm. it or not, whether you thought it was fair or not. A rule was you stayed out of grown folks' business. Grown folks business. Right. Period. And if you had the balls, if you had the audacity, <laughs> sorry, uh, if, I'm gonna leave that in there too. If you had the audacity <laughs> to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> To uh to ask about grown folks' business, you, like you said, you might get slapped in the mouth, you might get chastised, you might get punished, because that's just the rules we lived by in the 80s and the 90s, and they got it from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I, I do want to and shout out to Skip, by the way, mm-hmm. Mr. Stocks. You know, I I appreciate your dad. Over the years, me and your dad have had one-on-one conversations. Your dad have given me some jewels. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to interviewing him at, at some point. But I do want to segue into into the next uh, question that I have for you. Over the years, as you mentioned, I've wit- witnessed um, some ebbs and flows of your life. Mm-hmm. One of those ebbs and flows is witnessing you gain love, lose love. In many mm-hmm. cases, offering a non-judgmental listening ear, which is one of our rules. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, specifically, the rule is. B, I need you to listen to me. No judgments on. We haven't done that in a while, but one of those rules is no judgments on. Mm-hmm. I could feel whatever I feel on the inside about what you're saying, mm-hmm. but we having no judgments on right now. Mm-hmm. Go for it, Ken. Let, let me hear what you got to say. But anyway, in stating this, um, you have been blessed to be married twice. This is an amazing feat. Reason being is because according to blackdemographics.com, African-Americans currently have a 30% marriage rate, which is the lowest of all demographics. For our millennial and Generation Z listeners, what rules did you learn from your first marriage that you effectively applied in your second marriage? So this is like a two-part question. So Mm -hmm. let's start there. I think it's important to, to start before that if we can, right? And I'll try to try to make this as brief as possible, but you're looking at the historical value of, of, of significantly, you know, maintaining a, a, a relationship in a positive manner between a, a husband and wife, you know, not being raised with that. My mom used to say, I was, I was raising you and I was raising myself at the same time. In, in considering that, where the, the, the turmoil, not just from the countries, but even in the families from, you know, the 60s and 70s, you know, and, and, and all of the pressure of the racially charged, you know, America that may have kept kids in the house where, you know, either either you had 
violence or drugs going on. You had a government that didn't support you or your, your family or, or the direction. There was no help there or limited um, help. Now you have the 80s where now, you know, as a, as a young adult, they're just trying now that now that a lot of the a lot of the adult pressure right was that that kids may not have understood was you know holding you back you had the 80s where it was almost like a party it was that they were they were now allowed to to have some sort of freedom to enjoy their life so we're kids being raised by parents who weren't weren't ready to to they were learning how to raise themselves and making those mistakes right so you come off of uh, off of having that as a foundation and you think you're an adult because we had so much freedom as kids, right? That when it's time to to raise your your children to be adults, to, to have, you know, to have that and, and put that in perspective, like where do you, you know, how, how do you do this? How do you take care of your kids? And you're you're raising yourself to some extent also. It could it could be be a little challenging right i want to bring this back to the original question because I, I did kind of lose focus of, as, as far as going back to to that point i wanted to say that because i think that's important that that was that was my foundation right my mom raised herself not that my my grandmother family didn't do well but she had no idea what she was doing right nobody ever does there's not a book for this but you take those jewels and the rules that they've lived by that you've recognized and the rules they live by and what, what you want to see happen. And you do the best that you can when you're faced with the everyday, the day-to-day, the hourly to the yearly and, and you know, the aspect of, of raising your kids. You just do the best you can during those, those challenges that you face. Having, being in a relationship that failed taught me a lot in the, in the sense of familyhood, where I need to be to take care of my son or my kids, period. And what place, what position do I put my wife in my life having a blended family where I have kids long distance and I have kids here? And how do I close that gap that I felt as a child between one household and the other? How do you do that? And there's really one way to, to do that, and it's called horribly, right? You're never going to get it right. It's not about being perfect. It's about, it's about making those mistakes, but having the relationship with your kids to let them know I'm not perfect. I didn't have that relationship with my dad. I can go and talk to him at the time. I do now because he's accepted that. He's welcomed me and he's opened that door, and he never rejected me. We just came from slightly different backgrounds where, you know, some things you just didn't talk about, some things you didn't discuss. And, and, and that was part of that relationship. I'm your dad. I'm not your friend. Right. My mom would say the same thing, but she was also our friend. Right. She, I'm your mom. I'm not your friend. But I saw my mom cry. I saw her be a human being. Right. I saw her struggle. We did together. I didn't see that from, from my dad. I, I saw he lives in, in upper middle class white America, suburbia America, and the kids go to a great school. They didn't, they, they lived in a house. They lived in a house. We didn't live in a house. We, it was, we were apartment jumping, right? From city to city, project to project, to some extent. And it was, it was different, right? So the fact that the only way I knew to try to close that gap 
was that thank God for the access we have today. And, and throughout my young adulthood where access to, to phones was a big deal. I can call my kids. I don't have to see them every day. I can call them every day. I'm talking about, but this was before my oldest son was able to talk. I'd call and listen to him, right? I was in the military. I'd call and talk to him. We always had a strong relationship because I was constantly in his life to some extent. Closing that gap is just being there, even if it's on the phone. That's the avenue I took. Totally different cultures, right? My, son, my oldest son is, is, is biracial, right? He's, his, his mom is Black and I'm biracial. My middle son, his mom is Dominican, Puerto Rican. I'm black and white. He's quad racial. I don't even know if that's a thing. Whatever that is, he's multiracial. His household is different than my household. It's different than my oldest, you know, son's household. I get on the phone with him and I'll call one and I'll call the other one on three way. Right? They live miles apart. They live in two different states. My daughter, my wife now is Mexican. My daughter's Mexican, black, and white. All three of my kids have different cultures, different different backgrounds they're, they're being raised in, different expectations in life, where they are different stages in life. I just want them to know only thing perfect about me is my imperfections. Wow, that's that, that that's a good that's a good say. That's a rule within itself. Mm-hmm. Is finding a way to be okay with your imperfections and understanding that it, you know, when people think about Basquiat, which is a painter or, you know, any other famous or non-famous painter, that art is what you, what you make of it or what you, how you look at it. Right. And some, yeah, how you interpret it and your painting, your canvas of life, right. Although it has its imperfections and, you know, you used to draw a lot when we were kids, Mm-hmm. Although it ha- it has its imperfections, it's still a piece of art. Mm-hmm. And it's all yeah. about how somebody interpret things. And a person's interpretation is their reality, right? So Absolutely. I'm glad to hear that you're okay with acknowledging that you have not done everything perfect. And, and, and I'm glad that I, I sat back and just listened because I did have some follow-up questions about your navigation of being married and navigating the space of being um, having a blended family and things of that nature, because you've answered the second question. I think that's the thing that, um, especially with our generation, yeah, we might not have gotten married, but there's a lot of blended family situations going on and you have to navigate that space. And it goes back to what I said earlier. Sometimes people use their children to prevent them from navigating that blended space. Mm -hmm. And um, I do want to briefly say that I appreciate a, another rule that you gave me while you were married to your first wife. Um, we were having a discussion about how your wife at that time looked at our friendship. Mm-hmm. And you said to me, you know what, B, not everybody have lifelong friends. So she just doesn't understand because I was confused by some of the stuff she would say to me, to you. Mm-hmm. And you you called me back from the edge with that simple statement of, you know what, B, like a lot of people don't have lifelong friends. So she just doesn't understand. And I walked away from that conversation like, you know what, I'm probably going to run into more people that don't understand the dynamic of having friendships that have lasted through multiple seasons of life. 
mm-hmm. ebbs and flows. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I was here before her and it's looked like I'm going to be here after her. Mm-hmm. And when I do see her, and I'm not going to say her name, I don't have the permission to say her name, but when I do see her, I don't hold any ill will in spite of some of the things she said to you and I that I did not appreciate. And one of those things being, y'all ain't nothing but some mother-loving dweebs. And I, I PG-13 13 now. No, y'all, no. y'all some motherfucking dweebs. Y'all ain't, ain't going to amount to anything in life. So I appreciate her for saying that. <laughs> you know, rejection, <laughs> rejection is a favor, bro. I appreciate uh, her hitting us with that. And um, I must be a cool dweeb right now. <laughs> you know, um, there's, there's so much I, I want to, I want to, you know, jump on the, the, the back end of that. I will say this. Uh, I will say this. Um, it's part of the, 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 even Earth itself has a growth plate, right? We do as human beings, physically, we have a growth plate. Mentally, we have growth stages right we were we were kids and even her she's not exempt from that you know she made her mistakes going back to the origin of of the question learning through those mistakes and learning through those challenges you know you you do with my with my oldest son and, and his mother what I learned was you know maybe putting your child on such a pedestal that you can't get along with one another is not okay, right? You put this in, this is my responsibility. This is what I have to do. I don't care if you agree or disagree. I'm doing my thing because I'm taking care of him, right? Well, I don't care, you know, taking taking you to court and this is how I'm taking care of him by taking your money away from you, right? And visitation and not seeing him, you know, whatever that is, right? She did the best she could with the circumstances and the tools she had, even if I was the bad guy in her story. You know, getting married and, and I, I was never married to his mom. But so my first wife was from my, from my second son. She was all about education. She was, I wouldn't say she was extremely intelligent, but she had enough information in her background as a child to, to gain that education and know how important that was. And we were kids in the street, still as young adults, we were kids in the street. We're talking early 20s. We did not have our shit together, you know, at all. But we thought we did. We probably had it better than, you know, our stuff together better than some, right? But we were flying by the seat of our pants. We didn't know what we were doing. We just knew what we were trying not to do. And she had a direction that she was going. And when we realized we weren't going in that same direction, that needed to change. That needed to change. And, you know, going through that divorce, going through, you know, not jumping into another relationship, but allowing myself to be, single and focus on my kids and focus on my education, you know, and, and putting myself in a better position because I was like, I, you know, running this little small business that I was running at the time, you know, not making a ton of money and paying child support for two kids that I don't see. I need to, I need to reel this in. I need to, this, I need to make some changes, you know, now I'm in a space realizing that how important education is uh, to take care of the two kids that I had at the time and not allowing relationships to, to get in the way or, you know, that, that was my rule, right? I don't, I don't care what's happening, what's going on. That could not take precedence in my life. 
nor even follow me during that time. I did not allow a relationship or a person to follow me through that journey. I didn't want that. At this point, having, you know, my back against the wall with multiple children that I'm responsible for and in the relationship, not just financially responsible for, but, you know, being in a place where I, I gave her everything when we divorced. So, you know, rebuilding from the beginning, sleeping in my car, going to, to school in a state where I had no family, I had no friends. Nobody was going to be along for that journey with me if I had to make it out of that. Right. I had to make it out alone. I got myself there by myself and I didn't make it out alone. I ended up making friends. They became my, my base of support. Right. So understanding the value of putting my kids so far first that his mother and I disagreed on everything to, to almost life itself to, you know, my original, my first actual marriage, knowing that um, there's cultural differences and boundaries not having a foundation, either one of us having a foundation of a, uh, of a solid home connection, right, or a healthy home, then to, I, I'm never getting married. That was my solution, never getting married again. And I met my wife now. And I told her, I said, one of the first things I told her is, I didn't want to meet you. Didn't want to know you. I didn't want to fall in love with you because I didn't want that problem of a, Relationship, graduating school, uh, getting my professional life in order, excited about getting my personal life down the road in a place where I was extremely happy and confident in. It's a big deal, but I couldn't deny my wife. I was like, that's not an option. She's, she's got to go in this pocket right here. You know what I mean? There's no way I can, I can turn away from her. And she didn't want me at the time, right? That's the other thing that's the big to notice. I I was in the midst of my change, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm not letting I'm not letting her go," right? So, and we've been together ten plus years. There's there's mistakes every day, every day, and it's part of her who she is that she she accepts me for me being me and there's certain things that are just off the table certain things that, that you can't and, and every, every relationship has their rules right when I talked to my dad about it my dad was like first thing you know my wife and I did was we took divorce off the table it's not a conversation my background it was like divorce is always an option because it's always been an option so what's the point of marriage if divorce is an option right so the the rules that her and I have we still build on every day. For instance, I, I've never had an avenue to release my anger. So it was always this built up thing until you explode. And it could be verbal abuse, physical abuse. I'm not saying in a relationship, I'm just saying period. I used to beat up my Nintendos when the game wouldn't work right. You know what I'm saying? It was just, I didn't have, I was never taught how to express my anger. As a kid, I remember getting in trouble one time because I was so angry in my behavior and my mom clocked me. And ever since then, you know, she's yelling at me about this. Ever since then, what I do with anger, just like I said earlier, we didn't know what we were doing. We just knew what we were trying not to do. With anger, for me, it was the same sense of, I don't want to 
verbally be abusive. I don't want to say, you know, these things because I'm hurt and I want to hurt her. I'm not a vindictive person. I just want it to be resolved. So for me to resolve the issue, I have to step away, right? I have to deal with that anger and realize giving somebody the benefit of the doubt what that looks like. My wife, on the other hand, she needs it to be handled and settled immediately. That's how she works through it. If I walk away, she's like, you don't walk away from a relationship. You don't walk away from this. We're in this together, but I need to get this out. You need to hear me and I need to hear you and dot, dot, dot. She wants to work those things both ways. And I, I, had, to, I had to tell her, look, if I'm angry, I have the right to be angry. I'm only a human being. But you need to get that out, even though it may make me more angry. It's not about me. Most of the time, it's not about me. And it's not about her. It's about those issues. When we internalize that, it's a, it becomes, you know, a bigger problem than, than it's necessary. Working through everything from decorations, the, the decor in the home, to the home itself, to infidelity, to loyalty, to behaviors, to what's on the menu for, for dinner tonight, to always eating out because we're too tired for dinner to purchasing a, a franchise to staying at work or working later long hours to working every weekend to being on the friend with your phone or bring on being on the phone with your friends because that reminds you of home and something comforting that's that you're used to all of these issues the rules that that i've learned from one relationship be it a marriage or not is everything and everyone around me right? The success of those things. And this is where, for me, it became extremely personal. I didn't want to be, no offense to my dad. I didn't want to be my dad where this is, this is my core family. You're my family, but you're not my core family. I didn't want to be that. I didn't have that. All my family felt like my core family. That includes, you know, you, our other brothers, Shaq, Mike, Steve, Right, little Mike, Mike. It included obviously my my kids are my core family. The one thing my wife says is I'm their bonus mom, and I love that. And she's not trying to replace their mom, and she's not. She she's always got my back, like a thousand percent when it comes to the kids. Is she she will put me in the right direction and in a sense of asking questions. Sometimes it's hard. I want to answer these questions. I'll answer to you about my kids. These aren't my kids. These are our kids. She's their bonus mom. She's always there. She's always, there's never a moment she's not. Sometimes, and there's points in our relationship where she has a better relationship at those times than I have with my kids. And even that's okay. I have I have a principle that I stand on when, you know, not being the in-home father that I want to be in my kid's life. Regardless if, if I want to be there or not, I'm not because of, of the, the direction of those relationships and the systematic approach to what, that looks like in a court system nowadays. I expect whoever their mother is with to treat them like they're bon- like they are the bonus dad. Treat them with the same respect and love that I would give my kid, right? Give them myself. So that's what I expect out of them. When it comes to my relationship with my kids, when it comes to my relationship with my wife now, how we navigate that, the biggest rule. I can I can say that I live by with that is learn every day and continue to change for the better every day. That could be, you know, whatever it is in, in the relationship itself, how arguments are, are playing out, 
whether you choose to walk away or you choose to stay. That's my rule. That's the only way I can keep going in our relationship and keep it happy, keep it growing. I have that. My kids will see that. You close into this particular question. I appreciate the the length in which you were navigating through answering it. But I think you closed in a good point by saying that that's how it works for your relationship. Those who know me personally, um, and I'm surprised I'm about to say it, but I think it fits perfectly what we were just talking about. I was previously engaged. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I was going through premarital counseling, I had pulled my pastor to the side at the time. And I was like, man, this is tough. And this has been a process. To make a long story short, he said, look, Brandon, I can only tell you, I can only give you, I can give you advice from two different realms of thought. I can give you the biblical advice. And then I can give you my perspective based upon what I've been through with my wife. But at the end of the day, that's my wife and what I did to get through those things with my wife. You're going to have to ask yourself, how are you going to get through those things with your fiance? So I like that how you ended it, because those are the rules that work for your situation. However, one of my listeners may be going through something that's similar. They can take some of the the rules that you've mentioned today and apply or add. It can be and or apply Mm -hmm. to their situation. Like I said to you before, there's things that. I've recognized in in your relationships that I've recognized in some of my other friends' relationships that I've applied or some things that I feel like, well, I wouldn't do that. That's Mm -hmm. just life, right? Mm -hmm. But I want to move on to another subject, but it's in a similar ballpark of discussion, um, discussing rules. Throughout the years, uh, we have discussed the notion that the rules you live by Govern the lifestyle that you lead. In solidifying some of those rules, we have discussed the differences between family and relatives, guidelines and rules, and trust and loyalty. Firstly, okay. because I do want to set, establish where this quote even came from. Mm-hmm. Please give credence to the author of the quote, the rules you live by govern the lifestyle you lead. And what do you think he meant by that statement? My dad told me that. My dad is filled with with jewels that that to him are just every day in, in common sense, it's very straightforward. And, and, you know, he's, he's got them in his pocket and, and a lot more. He actually told me that I think going through uh, my divorce, I was all over the place. I was all over the place, all over the place emotionally, even physically, you know, I, I didn't know, you know, what, what the hell I was, I was holding on to anything and, and I had no foundation and something that allowed me to kind of sit quiet when he told me that really invest in myself for a moment to say, okay, what are my roles? What am I doing? What is going on? Not just, I need to go to school because I need an education and make some more money. Cause I have no idea what I'm doing in school. I, I got there by the seat of my pants, right? I don't know, 26 by then, just making it to 26. I was like, didn't I do my job? Like I didn't die at 18. I didn't die before 21. You know, no, I, there's there's some things that, that I'm still responsible for. Him saying that allowed me to put that in perspective to decide what I was going to do next. And know that, that that's coming up. Expect that and, and make your changes. And I'm so glad that 
as we transition to the the second part of this question, I'm so glad that you're dead. Once again, uh, shout out to Mr. Stocks for throwing out what we deemed as a nugget. It was just so simple to him because I've had conversations with your dad about it and told him personally, like, man, this is one of the jewels that you gave your son. And and this is another one of those ones, Ken, that I, you told me the rules you live by govern a lifestyle you lead. And I, I was not prepared to apply it um, mm-hmm. until I but I didn't throw it away. I just was like, OK, that's another one. OK, when I when I'm ready to apply it, mm-hmm. then I'm going to double back to Ken and tell him, like, yo, man, I get it. And, you know, um, I, but I, I do want to give credence to the person who gave you that nugget, but, nugget. But secondly, in your opinion, what is the difference between family and relatives? This is something that we've discussed over the years. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what do you think is the difference between family and relatives? The old goes back to the old saying, blood is thicker than water, right? And what that what that truly means is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, which is a complete opposite than what and how we take that. Right. We say blood is thicker than water with the intention that the family that that raised us and gave birth to us, that loves us through that childhood process is supposed to be your family for a lifetime. And. What it truly means is is the relationships you build in your lifetime are are what your family is, right? Those relationships. So even if they're blood and you don't have that relationship, it's okay. They don't have to be family if you don't have that relationship with them for them to be family. Some people would would disagree on that thought. I think that's part of the culture of, of today you are my brother. Couldn't be a closer brother if, um, if we were were you know had came from the same parents, right? So my relationship, my brothers, my family is is an extended family. I just told somebody today at a consultation, like you know, one of the things we do, we try to make it a point to uh, more recently is to get together, right? We're doing Vegas for Thanksgiving. We came. You know, everybody came here last year looking at, at, at uh, Salem, Massachusetts for Halloween next year. It doesn't have to be a big holiday, but it's, it's something to plan for and to continue to maintain a strong bond in, in your family and in your relationships. What I think overall, you know, that, that's important is to maintain those and, and nurture those relationships because that's where your family really lies. So I would say, I would say this because we've had this conversation before offline over Mm -hmm. the years at different points. And I would say that I have, which will, which will lead into maybe the last question, but I have better relationships with people who I do not share some form of DNA with. And I consider them to be family, mm-hmm. but I also have had relationships with relatives. We share DNA, but you may know more about my life than my actual cousin or whoever, you know, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. So in building those relationships over the course of my life, 
like I mentioned, I've known you for 25 years. Building those relationships over 25 years, and like I said, the ebbs and flows, valleys and peaks. If you go through some things, you're like, man, I ain't messing with dude for a while. You know what I'm saying? But you double back because the overarching thing is loyalty. Um, I've had. I don't know if you were. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta stop here. Mm -hmm. Our relate the foundation of our relationship, right? Is you gonna go there? Is rooted really in us being. I wouldn't say enemies, but we didn't like each other at, at all. It took a mutual friend for us to come together. Our initial response to one another is, it ain't nothing about this person that I like. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's, I, my I homeboy's, that's my homeboy's brother. That's how I look yeah. at it. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's my brother's homeboy. Yeah, because I knew your brother first. Any, right, and it didn't go any further than that. Than that, know, yeah. Um, for a long time, and it took Shaq to, you know, to, to be that mediator, right, be, between us, and not even intentionally because he didn't know. And I appreciate uh, Shaka for that. I mean, he was he was talking you up so much that I was like, man, who is this dude he talking about? You know, <laughs> and, and then I then I found out it was you, and I was like, man. This dude? You're talking about Steve, brother? The yeah. reality, the reality is you're absolutely right. You don't know, you don't know how far along you can, how far down the road you can build something with someone else based upon humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. And it went from, I don't really mess with him. That's, that's my homeboy's brother to, I, I, I don't question our brotherhood that, simple to me at this point right and like i said going back to what i mentioned earlier and i want to transition into two more things and then we'll close when you told me that sometimes people don't understand that don't have lifelong friendships they don't understand the connection mm-hmm. you connected me with someone and i and i look forward to interviewing this gentleman you connected me with uh Someone we also grew up with and, and spent some time with in high school who is very was very influential, at least to me in high school. Although I haven't talked to him in years. Mm-hmm. You connecting me with him a couple days ago was like time didn't even miss a beat. Right. And that's what happens when you have a genuine connection with someone. That's a rule. I was telling man, I'm going to make this short. I was telling someone just <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> you know, this is what we do offline anyway, but I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make a fat one skinny. I was telling yeah. someone yesterday that this is one of my rules, bro, and I, I, I've probably never told you this, but I'll tell you and the listeners. I always ask people, have you ever met somebody you're afraid to lose? And most of the time people will say, nah, haven't met anybody I'm afraid to lose, you know, which doesn't surprise me because some people may say, Rejection is a favor. What about that rejection is a favor? What is it the thing? In my opinion, if you meet someone that really significantly adds something to your life, you don't want to lose that person for something so minute. Mm-hmm. You know, I have not always seen eye to eye with family members. I have not always seen eye to eye with my friends. There are times that I don't always see eye to eye with my frat brothers. But the relationship is more important than losing them. So if I need to give that person a break, if I need to stop 
reaching out to them for a little while to get, like you said earlier, to get my head together because I don't want to say anything that could ruin a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not, we have to get away from this thought process that we have to answer things and respond to things in a moment. That's not what adults do. Sometimes you yeah. got to walk away. Sometimes you got to think about, well, what about all the times they were there for me? People are entitled to have a bad day. Matter of fact, people may be entitled to have a bad season. You just got to figure out how you got to interact with them during that season. And that's the thing about the ebbs and flows, the peaks and valleys of relationships is you may be rocking with somebody that is having a tough year. As an example, there's people that had a great lifestyle two, three years ago, bro. Lost a job last year due to COVID. You know what I'm saying? Got laid off. Are you supposed to walk away from that person because they lost a job? You got to be able to rock with them through their ebbs and flows. But that goes into, I was going to ask you another question, but I want to close out this question by saying, what are your thoughts regarding trust versus loyalty? Uh, it's left up to interpretation. Mm. And the reason why I say that is because the rules you live by govern the lifestyle you lead. When you're, when you're looking at trust and you're looking at loyalty, most oftentimes there is, that's a blanketed statement. And it's a loaded, it's a loaded statement. It's a loaded question. What I consider to be loyal is, it's like asking, what is, what is love? Somebody may say, love is how you feel for somebody. So if, if somebody says, what is, what is love? Somebody may say, it's the way you feel about somebody. It's someone else may say, it's, it's what you do for somebody. It's when you wake up and you think about that person. They're the last person you, you think about when you go to sleep, right? I would say love is an action, right? Love is what you do when you don't want to do it. Love is is when, you know, my wife is like, hey, can you stop or can you go and get this for me? And I just got in the house. I just took off my shoes. And I've been busy all day. My back hurts. I don't feel like going out. But you know what? If I need to go out, she might be cooking dinner. She might be cleaning the house. I'd rather go out to the store than clean the house. Yeah, man, got them dishes. I'll be back. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go ahead and... uh. You said the man. queso, right? You said the queso with the chips, right? I got the it. queso with the chips, right? You want guac? You want that guacamole? No? Babe, we need beans. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, that, That's, to me, it, it's an action. So when you're talking about loyalty... What's what's the other one? Loyalty and and trust. Loyalty and trust. It's, it's an action, right? It's something to be practiced on a regular basis. They're they're easy to lose, right? They're very very hard to gain. Trust. You may be a trusting person. You may give trust, right? You may give that loyalty away. That's who I am. I'll I'll trust you, right? Because I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Right. But I'm also extremely harsh in, in punishment. I'll give you that benefit of the doubt. You cross that line, it, it, then then there's there's repercussions for it. For me, it's 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 a matter of a continual action and behavior that you display on a regular basis. Let, let's take, for instance, loyalty and trust in a relationship. If you have, you know, two people that come together, let's take my wife and myself, for example. And we find ourselves going down this road where we're constantly arguing. And now I separate myself. And 
She doesn't. She's still in there. I've separated myself from the relationship mentally and emotionally. Therefore, I'm no longer being loyal to her. Not because I, that means I'm, I'm, I'm being loyal to somebody else. It's just that I no longer have that connection with her. And I, I quit working on that. So what happens? I'm not saying that that's what happened in my relationship. I'm just giving you a standpoint or, or vantage point to look at this and say, that's, it, it's, a, it's disloyal to do so. And then growing apart, there, there, there comes, you know, beatings and bruises that come along with not wanting to trust somebody because you don't have that connection with them, right? So being loyal is, is an action. Trusting somebody is an action that you have to put out there and, and whether you receive it or not, it lets you know what direction you're going to go from that. And that's my thought on, on, on the, the, the loyalty and trust topic. Okay. So I would say that the thought process between trust and loyalty can be blurred or ambiguous, right? And mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, would, I would say that oftentimes that people use a lot of words too loosely now. People call things organic. And it be BS. People call things loyalty and it's distrust. People uh, say they uh, they trust someone and then they do something that can ruin trust. Um, people say they love others and don't do things that warrants love. And that's not for me to necessarily judge. Right. But I want people I want us to get back to using a word that you, we don't hear anymore because everybody jumped on the organic bandwagon. I want us to I want people to get back to being authentic. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Let's get back to authentic. If we can get back to authentic, then maybe we can get back to having genuine relationships. And that's why I hold on to my friends and I hold on to those relationships because I understand that even in those tough times, I got way more better times with this person or these individuals than the tough times. So forget it, because I know those are authentic relationships. You can't buy those joints. There's a there's even a difference between the authenticity of music. Now, we need to get back to the authenticity of music. All this. I do drugs, but you really don't do drugs. You you talk about liking chicks and you're a female rapper, but you really don't like chicks. You know, all this stuff that's weird is interesting. Right. So we need to get back to talking about the authentic. And maybe that is maybe that is the authenticity of what's going on out here. And if that's the truth. This is why I still listen to music that's 20 some odd years old, 30 years old, because I'm like, I remember how this made me feel because it felt so real and authentic. Like you said about Tupac, you know, I can't cry for a stranger, right? I really felt that until my father died and I'm looking at someone in a casket that I felt like was, was a stranger. But I was also adult, an adult enough to realize, like, damn, I can't bring this man back. So even though I felt away from one until this point that I'm looking at this man in this casket, forget all that time. I'll get all that. I give all that time back to have him now. Right. I can't never have another conversation with my dad. In closing, if you had to give a thesis statement. Regarding the rules you live by, what would that thesis statement be? It would be not to take life too serious because you'll never make it out alive. Look, man, just keep trying. 
Just keep trying. Just keep doing, right? Try and fail, try and succeed. Just keep doing. That's it. Just take your chance. I would I would add to that to say that applying the rules that you learn from other people does not make you a fraud. That's called wisdom. So as I close, to my listeners, if you have given me nuggets over my life, I appreciate you. To you, Ken, I appreciate watching you grow as a man. The experience we the experiences we have shared over 25 years. Watching you enact your rules. Mr. Stocks, for introducing to us that the rules you live by govern a lifestyle you lead. It is my hope that our listeners will take a mental opportunity to assess what rules they live by. What rules, what legacy are you going to give those people that you interact with? What rules have you given younger men in your life, younger women in your life, etc.? How do we get back to a place of authenticity? Have we just tossed the rule book out the window at this point? Because it sometimes feel like a lot of people have tossed the rule book out the window. I think that's how a lot of generations feel about the next generation. Just for the thought. And I don't want to judge the next generation. Okay, I don't want to judge them even to the next generation, which will be Generation Z to us. For my Generation Z listeners, please determine what those rules are for you. If those rules are, I don't want to go to school because I'm hearing how the millennials are struggling under a mountain of debt, then that's the rule you can be. If you can live with that rule, then be okay with that rule. I can accept that. Because guess what? I didn't go to college right after high school. That was a rule I lived by. I had my reasons. Mm-hmm. But whatever rules you choose to live by, be able to stand on those rules authentically. To my new listeners, to my returning listeners, I hope that you leave this episode feeling encouraged and enriched. To you, Ken, I appreciate your time. Welcome to the thesis, a podcast where we unlock the thoughts of time. The question I wonder is after death, after my last breath When will I finally get to rest through this suppression? They punish the people that's asking questions and those that possess Still from the ones without possessions, the message I stress To make it stop, study your lessons, don't settle for less Even the genius asks questions, be grateful for blessings Don't ever change, keep your essence The power is in the people and politics we address Always do your best, don't let the pressure make you panic And when you get stranded and things don't go the way you planned it Dreaming of riches, in a position of making a difference Politicians and hypocrites they don't wanna listen, if I'm insane The fame made a proper change It wasn't nothing like the game It's just me against the world Keep your head up.